This is Madeline. And this is Cammie. And you're listening to the Communities That Convert podcast. Episode number 106. Hey, Cammie, are you ever camera shy? Sometimes. It depends on if I did my hair and makeup. (laughs) The struggle is real, but we're going to get you over the hump and ditch your fear. Welcome to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza. In this podcast, you will learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. You will hear tips, ideas, and advice you can use right now on how to grow your own community and provide value that inspires them to take action. Are you ready to get started? This episode is brought to you by the Communities That Convert Facebook group. Come join us in our private group because it's the place where we continue the conversation from here. All you have to do is go to Facebook and look up Communities That Convert and look for the groups, or you can go directly there at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Communities That Convert. And be sure to use our secret word, action. Yeah, action. So Madeline, last year, HubSpot, an internet marketing support company that we have talked about before, they conducted a survey of 3,000 people. And you know, across every age group, except those 55 and older, more than 50% of those people said they preferred to consume video. On the 18 and 34-year-olds, they also liked social images. But overall, people want more video. So I'm not really sure why, you know, all of us marketers and communicators are so reluctant to give it to them, but we decided to ask our community on Twitter, didn't we? We sure did. Uh, You sent out a Twitter poll asking and uh, we got some really interesting results. Right. And we always talk about Twitter polls and how we use them and Facebook polls. And we thought we would eat our own dog food. So we did that and we sent it out and we said, please vote. We're doing an episode and here we are talking about it. And they, we asked them what their biggest fear about live streaming was. And we kind of took the things we've heard people say to us before and put them out there. We wanted to know which one would win. Um, I had some really fun responses from that. But overall, 40% said they didn't know what to say. That was the main thing that they were worried about. And then 32% said they didn't feel confident. And finally, 28% said they were worried about the tech. So I also got um, a great you know, tweet from a couple of people saying, can't I just choose all three? <laughs> and I asked her, um, her name was Taylor Elizabeth Rose, T. Eliza Rose. She said, can't I just um, pick all three? And I said, so which one would you pick though if you only could pick one? And she said, probably confidence. I mess up mostly because I'm nervous. Do you think a lot of people have that issue? I think so. You know, this was such an interesting poll because I I was expecting totally different results from this. I thought people were really going to be stuck on the tech. But it's so interesting that people are just not knowing what to say and then next up not feeling confident. It really shows the power of doing these polls and learning from your community so you know how to best talk to them about issues that concern them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to cover about, I think it's three different things here that we're going to talk about these different fears. And we're going to talk about how the slu- the solutions that we have come up with for each of these fears. So let's just dive in. Um, I think you're going to start with the first one, right? Yeah, but I do want to mention we'll have in the show notes a link to this poll. So if any of you guys want to take a look at it and a link to that HubSpot article that Kimmy mentioned, because it was really interesting stuff. Y'all might want to look at that. So yeah, let's start with the first fear. 
I don't feel comfortable or confident on camera. I mean, that's something that affects a lot of people. I've been helping people with video for many years and that stops so many. We don't want that fear to keep you from doing it. And it's things like, I don't like how I sound on camera. You know, Kimmy and I had quite a discussion when we were putting this together about, you know, how we sound when we like, do you like, Kimmy, do you remember the first time you heard yourself? Like for us, since we're a little bit older, like tape recorder. I remember I was little, we had like those little tape recorder, right? And you put your cassette in there. And I'll never forget when I was little, the first time I heard my voice, because I had older brothers and they kept playing with it and making music and stuff. And I heard my voice on there and I'm like, that's what I sound like. And it's like, it's a little weird and it can make people feel really uncomfortable at first. So they might not want to go do video. Yeah, no, I've definitely done that before. And there we have a, uh, we have a way to get over that though. So there's this thing about your voice. So first of all, I'm a vocalist. Okay. So I've been a vocalist for a very long time. And that is one of the things that our teachers taught us right away is to bring in our tape recorders or, or whatever. And we record ourselves every single time because the, what you hear in your head is not actually what other people are hearing. And so when you are, are talking, you're hearing what we call resonance, which is what is inside of your head. So there's like space inside of your head. I know nobody likes to think about that, but like inside of your nasal cavity, your mouth, your throat, all of these areas, they fill up with this kind of stuff. And you hear that deeper sort of resonant sound. And when you hear yourself from the outside, it sounds different. It's not that it's bad. It's just different than what you're used to. And I think it freaks people out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we don't want to let that keep us, uh, you know, we just got to work through some of these kinds of fears. But that is a big one is like, how do we sound? And then how do I look? For women, we know that's a big one because, you know, I'll even admit like I, I'm more comfortable doing video if I have, you know, my hair fixed up and some makeup on and just look more presentable. Men usually, not to bash you guys, but y'all can usually just roll out of bed, put on a baseball hat and go on video. I've seen lots of y'all do that and it doesn't (laughs) seem to bother y'all. And for most of us women, that's not always the case. But I work really hard, Kimmy, at trying to not be so concerned with that because at the end of the day, people are, are concerned about the message, not so much how you look on camera. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. But I know that you have chosen certain times of the day and certain yep. days of the week. So can you tell us a little bit about the how you kind of your strategy? Yeah, that? I did put together a little strategy when I was uh, a couple of years ago when I started video reply day. And it was just to encourage people to do video tweet replies, you know, when they're on Twitter. And I just started as a big hashtag campaign and just thought I'm just going to get on there and just spend a couple hours each week just replying to as many tweets as I can with a little video from my phone. I thought, huh, what day of the week do I know I'll for sure have makeup on? So I'll look presentable. (laughs) And it was Tuesday, Tuesdays and Thursdays. This was back in 2017. I always knew for sure Tuesdays and Thursdays, I did my Twitter chats. Tuesdays was social ROI. Thursday was Twitter smarter. And I would always do a live stream afterwards. So I thought, let me pick one of those days. And Thursday's typically a busy day with multiple Twitter chats and things. So I thought, how about I'll do it on Tuesday? So I thought Tuesday is going to be my day to always do the, these videos as part of this campaign on Twitter. And I didn't tell too many people, the you know, not too many people asked why I picked Tuesday, but I just sometimes would tell somebody in passing, like, you know, there is a reason why I picked Tuesdays because I know I might have some makeup on and get my hair fixed up and look nice because I'm going to be on video later in a live stream. So that's okay. It's okay to work this around when you know you'll be presentable. But 
also at the same time, don't let that be what keeps you from moving forward with video. Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, I keep I keep my uh, lipstick on my on my desktop <laughs> in a little mug. I'm like today I didn't put That's any smart. makeup on, but I I did reach over and put this little lipstick on before you and I got on Skype here. So you know I do that. I mean I think having little strategies is a great idea, especially if you're worried about it. But I do also think it's great for you to get over that fear. However, I think you know I think people I, I'm sure men do have like some things that bother them about the looks. So I would love to hear from the guys in our audience. What is it the thing that you worry about? I mean, Nyla and I were having a hard time because we're like, we're not men. We, we don't really know what they worry about. Right. Yeah. I would love to hear from the guys to see like what are their concerns or issues when it comes to, uh, you know, being comfortable and confident on camera. And another fear is being afraid of negative comments. I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, who wants to have people say negative things about you? So that's a real fear in all of this. There, there's lots of valid fears when it comes to being confident on camera. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. And, and there are a lot of negative comments out there. I think we can't really like whitewash that. You know, if you go on to Twitter and other places, um, people have been savagely attacked online for their looks and for different parts of that. So I do think that somewhat I, I can understand where the, that's coming from. You know, I do a lot of work with Civilian Nation, which is an online anti-hostility group. We work on helping people to kind of stand up to bullies and online trolls. And so we talk to a lot of people every day, every month, every year that have these problems. They're, they're real problems for sure. But I also think that if we don't go out and stand in the light that you know we're giving away to those people, those bullies and trolls are, are you know, they're ruining your freedom of speech with their freedom of speech. So I really do feel like, you know, I have a real strong, passionate feeling about this one because I feel like, you know, if we let those kinds of things overcome us, then, you know, we're not going to get there. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. But being prepared is part of what you do to make sure that that you do have like a great message and it's put together. So even if somebody does give you trouble, you know, it's not because you weren't prepared. You weren't, you know, getting yourself together. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. In That's a great a point. That's a great yeah. point. Well, there are some solutions that we can talk about on how to be confident. First and foremost, practice, practice, practice. I mean, that yeah. will help tremendously. When I was teaching my video like a rock star mastermind last year, I had a private Facebook group where I encourage daily practice of videos. Like I, I just thought if I could get everybody in there is private. So it's not going to be because a lot of these women that were in my mastermind, because it was uh, female only uh, when I started it, they had not done this publicly and they weren't ready to do it publicly. But to have a private place that's just them and their peers in this, you know, like small group and have a place where they can practice and not worry about the negative comments, reactions, where they can just be in a, a place of positivity. It did wonders. Kami, it was an amazing thing for me to witness and watch as they went through this three-week program from day one all the way to the very end and just watch them blossom. But I felt it was because they were practicing in a very comfortable environment in this private Facebook group. Well, a safe community. And, and you know, you and I are big on community. And definitely this kind of a thing is great to learn in community. I was part of a speak-off competition this year, which was really great, but also scary because even though I speak a lot and I have a lot of opportunities to do that, when you stand in front of meeting planners and you deliver your message in, in less than three minutes, it's very, it's a high pressure cooker situation. It's very difficult. And so 
in that group, they also allowed us to put our practice videos in there. That was really helpful as well. And everybody was really encouraging. They gave people tips and pointers. It was really, really helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. And you were also having to do this in front of some big names as well, which I'm sure is nerve wracking. But, you know, when you practice and practice and practice, it should feel so natural that even though it is a little scary when we're speaking in front of big name people, that it would make it a little bit easier and not. There were something like 60 meeting planners there, people that if I started saying their names, most people in this audience would know who they were. It was terrifying. It was really hard. It was really hard. But you know, if you're not ready to jump into a group yet with it, I also have my own thing that I've done, which is a sandbox. So anybody can start a group on Facebook. You don't have to be you know, special to start a Facebook group. So I started one for myself. <laughs> it's just a private Facebook group only for me and my team. And we test out all kinds of stuff in there, mostly technology. Actually, for me, tech was always scary. So I like to test the tech in the private Facebook group before I like roll it out to say social media breakfast page or somewhere like that. And so I'm in there. I think Katie, who is on my team, is in there. I've had a few other people come in and out of there with me. You're in there. So when I go live, you may see it from time to time. But you know, it's a very insular group. And we just try to figure out like the tech or the problems or you know, if we have audio issues, I always test it in there first. And that's so smart. And a little side note to that that a lot of people don't realize you can do a Facebook live on your personal profile and set it for me only or only me. So like no one else sees it. And that's a great way to practice as well. It's kind of like having that, you know, private group of one. So your audience, yeah, practice and practice. And I know we'll have in the show notes, Kimmy, you found this really good article that gives you some information on how to do some vocal and breathing exercises, which I think can be really helpful for some of us. So we'll share that in the show notes over on our website because that's, that's going to be helpful. Yeah, because your breath honestly is everything. You want to breathe not from your chest, but from your abdomen. And it is, takes a little practice if you haven't done it. But if you're a vocalist, you know what I mean, or an instrumentalist, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. But you're going to want to learn how to control your breath because the first thing that you do when you get nervous is you stop breathing. <laughs> it's like a thing, you know, it's the first thing you do. You're like, ah, oh, I need to breathe. So breathing is really important. The more breath you have, the more likely you're going to be able to deliver your message in a really powerful way. So the second thing, obviously, that we saw there was that people say, I don't know what to talk about. And we're going to go in a lot of depth in this in our next episode. But we want to touch on what the main things that we've heard. And the first one is, I won't remember what to say. I think that's a real fear. And it does happen. I've sat in front of an audience and literally not had the next word that I was supposed to say. It's terrifying. There's a fear of messing up on live camera. You know, you're going to mess something up. You're worried about running out of ideas. I know that that's a big one too. If you start doing all these live streams, what are you going to talk about? And maybe you have enough to talk about one thing, but how are you going to do it the next week and the next week? And also, you might think that there's already too much content out there. So why add to the noise? I've heard that so many times. I'm not going to add to the noise. Have you heard that? Oh my gosh, yes. And I always say this. I said, put your own spin on it. Then you're then you're not adding to the noise. Like, you know, there's going to be things that, sure, people are all talking about the same kind of thing. Like, like if you're in social media, like Kimmy and I these days, everybody's an expert on Instagram. Everybody's an expert on Facebook ads. Like, it's a lot of the same things you hear about over and over and over. But maybe you have a take on it that's different from everyone else. You know, what can you 
add to the conversation that could be of value. We all know things that not others are talking about or know about. So, you know, what is that special thing that you can share? And so I don't necessarily agree with that, you know, oh, I'm adding to the noise. You know, we all have something we can contribute. Right. And, you know, we have a couple of solutions for that too. And that is you can take something you've already done and repurpose it as well. So like take that piece of knowledge that you have, something inside of you that you know that you you have, you know, you've figured something out. You don't have to be the expert of everything, but you have to have some insights to share. And why not put together a really good long blog post or other pieces of content, break it up into pieces and then do a video on each one, you know? So it would be cool to like do that. If you're a writer, you know, that might be where your comfort lies is in these long blog posts. So why not take them, cut them down into sections and then talk about each section. It's sort of what we're doing, by the way, with this video thing. So we're going to do this for the next couple of episodes. We're going to break this down for you. And it's a great way to take this content and repurpose it. And we've done some stuff before. In fact, we have an entire episode about how to repurpose your content. We put that in the show notes. It's episode 24, way back in episode 24. And you can go back there and listen to that episode. And we broke it down completely about what you can do to repurpose some of your content that you may already have. So that might be one way to go, right? Absolutely. That's a really good episode. And you know, a lot of people have gotten a lot out of that. So definitely recommend that. And it's not hard to repurpose content. You know, if you've got stuff you're putting out there, like for example, with me, I've been putting out a lot of blog posts on Twitter marketing, like Twitter tips, and I am using it in my podcast, having an audio version put in my podcast. I'm taking content from the articles and doing multiple tweets as threads, you know, threaded tweets. I'm just always trying to come up with unique ways, sharing and resharing the good relevant content that you know your audience wants. So, you know, I'm a big fan of that for sure. Yeah. And definitely conversations like having a conversation around that through a Facebook Live would be a really great way to continue to extend what you're already doing with your Twitter Smarter blog post. So, I'm exactly. challenging you. Please go out there and do that. <laughs> I plan um, to because I'm going to start doing more video. So that's definitely on the horizon. Yeah. And the other thing is we do this all the time. We're prepared. We come to the podcast with our notes in place. We use Google Docs. It's real simple. We put it up in front of us. We have an outline in front of us and we talk about it. Use crib notes, as they say. Is that a thing anymore? That was a thing when I was in college. You know, crib notes. But I, that's what I think it used to be called. something but... else now. Yeah. Probably so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think anyway, it kind of dates us when we say crib notes. Cheat sheets or whatever. Yeah, I think so too. But anyway, so be prepared before you go live. So off the cuff content is usually disorganized and it's harder to get the value out of it. You don't need to have it all scripted or anything, but take but talking points. We've been doing this forever. Certainly I have in, in social media and also in public relations. So I don't know if you know this, but my background is as a public relations professional. I started in Oh, 1994 in PR. And one of the things that we learned how to do early on in our career is to create talking points so that when you're talking to a journalist, you have certain things that you're trying to get across. And so talking points are really helpful and they're not necessarily like written out exactly what you want to say. So you sound natural. And so we asked about this on Twitter as well. And Amy Hampton, she's Lone Daisy Media. She said, she doesn't have any fears per se, but from the audience side, live streams that wander off course, lack of replays, show notes and transcripts, video audio format is time consuming, she says. 
she needs to see efficient ways for the audience to get the good parts quickly. You know, and I understand that completely. And number two, she also went on to say it happened so often that she's reluctant to sit down for a live stream or podcast without the show notes because she wants to see if her time is going to be wasted. And so, you know, I also heard other people begging for that, you know, please have, you know, show notes. I thought that was good because you are big on show notes and I am, and I am too. And we spend a lot of time on our show notes, people. <laughs> so we do. Um, but the reason I think why it's we worth that, it. There, it's worth it. There's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the we're summarizing we the conversation. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you, but we're summarizing no, like, and sharing important links. Yeah, it's really important. And so anything that you hear from us is going to be on communitiesthatconvert.com. We do spend time on that. And, and that's because we want to be a resource to you. That's really our desire, our hope. And so I also think it would be cool to have transcripts that would allow you to jump to relative parts of the native platforms. I think that's a cool idea. And maybe that's being put together somewhere out there right now. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. So you can also use tools to make it easier. We've talked about this before. So we'll just really quickly let you know about the tools. You and I came up with the exact same tool at the exact same time. We sure did. We were like mind readers, I guess. I know. Well, you know, I'll have to admit when I am trying to do something that's scripted, I have a hard time trying to memorize. And you can, you know, I I know some people will do video and they will stop and start, stop and start and piece it together so that so they can just memorize a line or two at a time. But I wanted to like get a teleprompter like they do in TV land where you can just kind of read off a screen. I feel like I can read more naturally, not be stressed with memorizing. And I found this, you know, I looked into this. Teleprompters are expensive, even the kind where you use your iPad, but it's this glass enclosure thing and it's pricey. There's apps out there. And I found this one called Big View. And I, Kami, when I discovered this, I think about a year and a half ago, I was completely blown away is Big View, B-I-G-V-U is bigview.tv. And you're using, I'm using it on my iPhone, you're using it on Android. So tell us how like you discovered this and what it's done for you. Well, I told you I was doing this speak off competition, right? And so I had to do multiple, multiple takes and I kept changing it because they wanted us to ha- do it in under three minutes. And that was really, really hard. You know, I don't know if you know this, but the less you have to speak, the harder it is because you have to be really <laughs> succinct and get it all there. So I was looking for exactly this thing. I was looking for something to help me with this. And I didn't ask you, sorry, but I went out and did my research and I found Big View as well and loved it. I actually paid for it. I went ahead and got the watermark off. I think I paid $69 for the year. And I used it to practice for my speak off competition. When I went up there, I had to do it by memory. But up until that moment, I practiced and practiced and practiced. So it's another great way to practice your speaking. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, Because like for me, if I can read it, I'm more likely to retain it or write it out and then retain it. And so that's a great point. And you know, you can get a free version of it. It has a watermark on it. I didn't really like the watermarks. I paid. I didn't do the annual came. I started off just doing it monthly because for me, because nine ninety nine a month, so ten bucks a month. And I knew I didn't need it ongoing. It was just when I was I was using it specifically to record the videos in my video like a rockstar program, and I was making these daily assignment videos. And not one person in all the groups that took my course, not one of them said, "Were you reading a teleprompter?" I tried to make it as natural. I practiced and I felt like it really came out good. But I was able to get all the points and say all the things I wanted to say because it all came through using my little iPhone. So I was really impressed. So I definitely recommend this tool, even if you just try it for free. So highly recommend. 
Yeah, me too. And for live videos, you can also use Google Docs like we do with the notes on them. You can put it on your split screen. You can split your screen. We do that every week for this podcast. That's really what we do. Yeah, we sure do. And it's helpful. It works. So we have one more fear to cover, and that is, I'm worried something will go wrong with the tech. We know Mm. how much people fear the tech, and there's nothing worse than live streaming and having the tech mess up on you. I remember, Kami, when Google Hangouts, which was the first real major live streaming video application, when it came out many, many years, I think it was like 2010 or 2011, because I remember the day I got it, and it was like being a geeky nerd. I was so excited. I was like, I remember where I was when I got the email that invited me in. And there was a lot of technical glitches with it because when something's new and what was always interesting, Kami, and I'm sure you remember back then because you're techie like me, was seeing who did okay with technical glitches and who freaked out and looked really bad on camera. And maybe that's why some people are worried about the tech because they've witnessed that. And I can tell you, I saw plenty of early adopters using Google Plus Hangouts when it was new and very glitchy and watching them practically melt down on live camera. And sometimes they didn't know it was still going and they were melting down. And I'm like, oh my God. So I can imagine witnessing something like that and totally going, oh my God, I'm never doing this because I don't want that to happen to me. Totally understand. But but we're going to have some good solutions to talk about with this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that I want to really kind of put out there is that this glitching issue, if you use technology, there's going to be glitches. I've been using technology. I've been doing live streaming. Gosh, I don't know. And you too. But we've been doing it since the beginning of time, it feels like. But, you know, when things were very new, when it was Ustream, I think is when we uh-huh. both started. 2011 in the, in on the Ustream. Yeah. yeah, I think I was even earlier than that. So I don't know whenever it started. But anyway, so yeah, it was crazy a long time ago that we've been doing streaming. And I've been doing it every month for the social media breakfast. And that's live streaming in a live venue. And believe me, live streaming in a live venue is another level of scary because you have to deal with your Wi-Fi connection and a bunch of other stuff that, you know, at home, it's a little bit more. And in your office, it's a little bit more. I don't know what you're going to say. Controlled, I guess is the right word. So there's a lot of glitches that can happen. So I guess the best thing for you to do is to understand that your audience actually wants you to succeed. It's actually uncomfortable for them. It's uncomfortable for them. Yes, they want you to succeed. And so the best thing to do is to apologize as little as possible and just jump back on and get started with the content again. The more you apologize, the more uncomfortable they get. That's a great point. I think it's a thing for women, especially. We do that a lot. Like we're late to the meeting and then we spend the rest of the meeting apologizing. for. If you've ever noticed a guy walks into a meeting late he says, yeah, sorry, I'm late. And he sit, and I maybe not even that. He sits down and he doesn't say anything. I actually learned this lesson a, a while ago, a couple of years ago. And I started doing that. I don't spend a lot of time apologizing anymore. I mean, if I need to apologize, I will. But I don't make myself the center of attention during these issues. And so glitching is not your fault. They know that. They know it's exactly. technical. Exactly. So the best thing for you to do is just keep going. And, you know, I think I said something to Social Media Breakfast the other day. I said, hey, everything went out without a hitch today. And they all clapped and they were, they thought it was really fun. And I said, you know, I mess up so you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great tagline. (laughs) I love that. So a little self-depreciating humor never hurts. Well, and you know, another fear is being overwhelmed by all the steps involved. And, you know, I'm always amazed, Kami, with you running this live event every month. And most times you're setting up the live stream 
from the venue as you're getting set up to start the live event, this in-person live event. And you've got a lot of steps with doing live streaming and you always are just cool and calm. And I know it's not always working and there's glitches from time to time, but you're not letting that keeping you from doing it, you know, even though it can be overwhelming with the steps involved. In fact, Katie Moreno is on my staff. She is now coming to every single social media breakfast. I hired her last month and as part of her hiring contract, she is contracted to be at social media breakfast every month. And the reason why I did that is because it is a lot better if you have somebody to help you out. So I think that could be a thing, having a buddy. And usually, you know, the problem with live streaming in a live venue is even if people want to help, they're not going to necessarily always be there because they have other things going on. But I did that for 10 years without really, you know, I mean, there were sometimes I had helpers and sometimes I didn't. So I think that you need to think about that. And I, I think I've heard Amy Porterfield say this actually when she had her first live streaming webinar, she actually had her best friend come and sit on the webinar with her and answer questions. That's one of the things that you should think about doing is that having somebody just to be in the chat and deal with some of the questions or alert you to some of the questions if you didn't see them. So I think just having somebody like a buddy, that's really a good idea. You know, asking somebody just to be there. That's a very good idea. And I think probably the one of the biggest fears that keeps people from doing tech is that they feel like they need to have the fancy equipment or the fancy tools. And Kimmy and I are here to tell you, do not have to. You can start with what you have. We all have amazing video capabilities in the palm of our hand with our phones. You know, we all have really good cameras and we can start with that. We don't have to wait. So many people say, oh, I need to wait till I can afford a nice camera and afford a nice microphone. But we have some really good options for you, right, Kimmy? Yeah, we do. And I don't want to go into too much detail on it, but we have it all in the show notes and you can go to our show notes and download, but you can get all these things for less than $100 and even even less if you have some of it. But for your smartphone or video camera, obviously that's going to cost a little more, but hopefully you already have one. Um, that's just part of your daily life, right? And then you have all you need is a little tripod to put it on and you can get yeah. a cheap one on Amazon. I use a Manfrotto with a cute little clamp that costs eight bucks or so. The Manfrotto, I think, was a little more expensive, but you can get a very cheap tabletop tripod and a phone clamp. That's all you need. And if you have a DSLR, you can use that. That's awesome if you do, but you do not need a DSLR. I actually bought a cute little camcorder the other day because it was on Amazon special for $89. So now I have a camcorder too. So That's awesome. Cool. Well, the thing is, if you're going to live stream, you only need to have three things, a camera, audio, and light. And we can all do that so inexpensively for even less than $100, but most likely with what you already have. You know, when Kimi and I were working on this episode and she was asking like about my tripod situation, I said, I have a tabletop tripod I've had literally since like the 90s, like the early 90s when I bought, what was it? Before DSLR, it was just called SLRs, before digital. And I still have it. I use it all the time. You know, it works with my iPhone because I have the little iPhone clamp thing through Joby that I've had for like five years or longer. So most times you're going to have everything you need in a lamp. A lamp will give you plenty of light or right in front of a window. So, you know, we all have the ability to just hit that button live stream and not let these fears keep us. And I hope that this is inspiring you all. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to take some action here. What do you think? Absolutely. Because we love those action takers. Yep. So we want you to create a bulleted list of topics you can share to add value. You want to pick one and go live to talk about it on your social media network of choice. 
And be sure to tag us, Madeline Sklar and Cami Chat. So it's Madeline S K L A R and Cami Chat K M A I C H A T, and add the CTC podcast hashtag so we can watch and comment and praise you for your fearlessness. So we're very excited about this. We hope that you will take us up on this and go out there and do this. Next week, we are going to talk more about content and how you can put that together. We're going to do a deep dive into being having a clear message and understanding exactly what you're going to do. We're going to lead you step-by-step through how you can create a calendar of content that you can go out and use in your live streams for the next you know, six months. I actually have a whole kit for that. So we'll give you that next week. But anyway, that's it. So what do you think? Yeah, I think this is a really great episode. I hope we've really inspired you all and we want to see you take action. We want to see you do great with this. So, you know, be sure to tag us, you know, reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or wherever you like and uh, use that CTC podcast hashtag and let us know. We want to see you go live. It'll be fun. Yeah. Take care, guys. Take care. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, this is Madeline, and I want to let you know you can connect with us on our website at communitiesthatconvert.com. You can get all the information in the show notes for this episode, and we also encourage you to visit us on our Twitter profiles. You can reach out to me at Madeline Sklar, that's spelled M-A-D-A-L-Y-N-S-K-L-A-R, and also to Cami. Her Twitter handle is at CamiChat, and that's spelled K-A-M-I-C-H-A-T. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey, Madeline, don't forget, we want to give a shout out to our friend Todd Giantasio from The Growth Suite, who sponsors the Communities That Convert website. Yeah, if you want to learn how to position yourself as an authority and get found online, check them out at thegrowthsuite.com. And that's sweet spelled S-U-I-T-E. Thanks for listening to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza, where you learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. Stay in touch with Madeline and Cami through their website at communitiesthatconvert.com. Thank you.